0: What's up Dolphins fans and welcome to a Friday, October 15th, 2021 edition of Locked on Dolphins. One of two that we've got cooking today. We're doing Power to the Pod live on YouTube this evening. So make sure you plan accordingly. Check it out sometime. Mm, Let's call it mid-afternoon probably around dinner time, five o'clock, hoping to hop on with you guys. But today on the show, continuing this series of exploring who some of the building blocks long-term are for the Dolphins, the players we know are going to be here. We know we're under contract. We know we're worth building around and also identifying which other pieces that we're not quite sure about deserve that recognition as well. You are locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome. Locked On Dolphins, your host, Kyle Krabs, here. want to thank each and every one of you for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Your team every day. We don't just say it. We live it. And on days like today... We do two-a-days, too. We're double-dipping. We've got power to the pod this evening. And then we're going to finish the defensive side of the football with this exact exercise tomorrow on the show as well. So I'm really looking forward to finishing this conversation. We spent two shows earlier this week looking at the offensive side of the football, identifying who are the long-term building blocks, who are the players we know we should be building around because they're under contract, they're owed a lot of money, they're young and talented we want to see them be around we think they're versatile enough that no matter what happens throughout the course of this season 2021 2022 and beyond long term building blocks and more importantly who are the players we think can get there but we don't have enough information on yet and there was a lot of players on that much maligned offensive line who hey i got done watching the uh, the all 22 of the Tampa game yesterday on Thursday i'll be damned if this wasn't the best offensive line performance that we've had all year long, and it was in a game in which the Dolphins had to be very one-dimensional and did not really try to run the football. We saw some pleasant surprises of mixes of RPOs, uh, some simpler RPOs that, that got reinstalled back into the game plan. was nice to see them. Miami did take advantage in a handful of instances uh, to get some easy gains and make the defense wrong, but what made them nice was it wasn't all you did. Right. And, and that's something we've talked about on this show. We're, we're going to be really interested in monitoring, but that's not what today is for, at least not this portion of the locked on Dolphins programming. We're looking at the defensive side of the ball, more specifically the front seven. We're looking at defensive linemen and linebackers today on the show, looking at trying to identify who are your long term building blocks. And if you guys listened earlier this week to the defense or to the offensive side of the ball, You might have been a little discouraged. We didn't find a lot of definitive building blocks on the offensive side of the ball. There's a good number of building blocks for us to work with here on the defensive side of the ball. So if you're not familiar with the exercise, here's the way it works. Took every player on the roster, practice squad, IR, active roster, you name it. Accounted for them all in positional groups. uh, Looked at... When their contract expires, so how long are they under contract? I gave them a a tier uh, to quantify their value as far as talent on the field. You've got roster and franchise cornerstones, which is the cream of the crop. You got quality starting caliber players. You got rookies. You got adequate starters, replacement level players, quality depth options, non NFL roster caliber talents. Incomplete evaluations and practice squad developmental players also looked at red flags and questions with injury history and durability or size from a, you know, bigger than usual or smaller than usual outside of the, the typical norms for that position and athleticism questions from a functional athleticism standpoint. How well do you measure up uh, to the expectation that that should be there for a player at your position? Looking at how much outstanding guaranteed money, a.k.a. dead cap, uh, a a team or the Dolphins would be responsible for starting in 2022 and beyond for the rest of the life of their contract. Age of these players, how scheme diverse and versatile they are. If they're expiring contracts, what we think the price of a new deal is going to look like. And then using all that and, and, and making a judgment decision on whether or not we think these players are long term building blocks for the roster. Only had a handful on the offensive side of the ball. Defensive side of the ball was a little bit more of an enjoyable exercise because you found more players that you felt met this criteria. So we're going to do the defensive line and the linebackers today. And the defensive linemen that are recognized in this group, in order order to be considered a long-term building block, for me personally, you have to be an adequate starter or better. And you have to have... The majority of the ancillary things that we're exploring in this exercise checked off as yeses. Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer, Raquan Davis, Emmanuel Ogba, Adam Butler, John Jenkins, Jabral Sheard, and Benito Jones are your defensive linemen. We'll get some of these hybrid guys: Jalen Phillips, Andrew Van Ginkle, We'll get to them in a minute. Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer, and Raquan Davis, I would qualify as quality starters. I think these guys could start for a fair number of teams across the NFL. You look at what Christian Wilkins in particular has done this year, the jump that he has made, um, been very, very encouraged by the year three leap for Christian Wilkins. I have all three of these dudes, Wilkins, Sealer, Davis, down as quality starting players. They're all under contract with the Dolphins through 2024. None of these players are owed an obscene amount of outstanding guaranteed money. Although Christian Wilkins with the fifth year option, that would be a hefty price for the 2023 season unless they come to an agreement. On a contract extension before that, Wilkins owed $4.9 million in guarantees the rest of the way. Zach Sealer, $1.05 million. Raquan Davis is a second round pick, $836,500 in outstanding guaranteed money. Wilkins, 25 years old. Zach Sealer, 26 year old. Raquan Davis, 24 years old. I think Wilkins and Sealer are scheme diverse to play in multiple fronts if you want to play them in a four-man front in a more traditional three-technique type of role. I think Christian Wilkins can do that. These guys can play four-eye. They can play inside the A-gaps in pass rush situations. I think you could play either one of them on the nose. Miami is doing that with Adam Butler instead, who we're going to get to in a minute. But I think these guys are all diverse. And Raekwon played a multitude of roles at Alabama. I, I think with him at three thirty is probably not as scheme versatile, but all three of these guys, man, I think are really good building blocks up front. And I think that's also what makes, and I, I do have a drink with me this evening as usual. You would probably expect that by now. It makes watching the defense on Sundays this year, thus far, so frustrating. Because there is physical talent on every level of the defense. There might not be enough. There might not be enough depth, which when we get to linebackers, we're going to have that conversation. But this defensive front in particular, well, I, you see really bright, bright flashes. They can control the line of scrimmage. Wilkins and Sealer. you see some flashes of backfield penetration and splash plays, and they're obviously near the top of the league this year and run stuff. All three of these guys, no questions asked, in my opinion, are building blocks on the defensive line. You got to feel really good with what you have in that trio of Wilkins, Sealer, and Davis, which a lot of times are the guys that are interior three when you go eye front looks, whether it's bare front, mid front, tight, whatever. That's a nice building block. And no matter what happens from a personnel perspective, uh, you're going to have a role for these players. Uh, as starters in your defense, and that's a good place to be. We're back and better than ever with all eyes on the gridiron. Teams are back for yet another football season, and as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college action this season. With a new updated site interface with even more odds, props, and contests, Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use promo code LOCKED ON to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, write your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2021. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Continuing on this exercise, if you guys are tuning in on the YouTube channel, we are recording uh, this evening, Locked on Dolphins. We're not live, uh, but this is going to go up. And I think the visual aid of seeing my assessment of the roster is helpful, right? So as we peruse the rest of the defensive line group, similar to Mike Gusecki, the discussion and conversation with Emmanuel Agba is an important one to have. Because he's not under contract beyond this year. But he's been a phenomenal player for Miami. Last year and this year. What drives me nuts is he's only played 63% of the defensive snaps. And I understand you got to keep guys fresh. This is one of the the issues that I have with the way things have gone defensively for Miami early on and I understand you have different personnel groupings and depending on what your rush packages are you're trying to accomplish different things and manufacture different matchups but at some point you got to let your best players play. And Emmanuel Agba deserves to be getting another 12 17 20% of the defensive snaps with how efficient he's been because he is a diverse player. I have him down as a roster potential roster cornerstone. Uh, he is very, very impactful in generating pressures. He is the beneficiary, or at least he was last year, of some of those sack numbers coming courtesy of Miami's system. But he's stout against the run, he's long arms, he is explosive. He's the best version of himself that he's ever been which is a great place to be when you're in a contract year, right? So he's 27 years old. I do think he's diverse. This new contract is probably going to fall between 15 and $17 million per season. Now on principle, he's 27. He's in a contract year. You're talking a very significant investment in him. If you bring him back, I can't put him down as a long-term building block if he's not under contract. But if you get the deal done, no-brainer. He's a long-term building block. Yes, absolutely. Adam Butler, I think is a quality depth piece. Uh, The fact that he's playing over 50% of the snaps is a little surprising to me, and obviously that's skewed a little bit because Raekwon Davis has only played 12% of the snaps thus far through week five because he had the knee injury. Uh, John Jenkins, 43% for him. John Jenkins, I have tapped with an athleticism uh, red flag tag at this point in time. He's 32-year-old nose tackle. Like Your expectations for him uh, from a mo- mobility standpoint should be pretty low. Um, it's clear his, his best and brightest days as an athlete are behind him. Same can be said for Jabal Shearer. I also have him down. He's on the practice squad, 32-year-old practice squad player this year. None of these guys, though, Butler, Jenkins, Sheard, I think are versatile or scheme-diverse players. Adam Butler is a pass rush specialist. He's going to be a pass rush specialist. He was a pass rush specialist in New England. He comes down here, and he's the, uh, when they do the speed package stuff, a lot of times he's the guy on the nose. And he's working those interior gaps on twists and stunts and games, and that's what he is. That has value. Uh, the fact that he's under contract through 2023, I like. I like that we're going to have a quality depth piece who can rush the passer on the inside. But he's 27 years old. I don't think he's particularly scheme diverse. I don't think he's somebody you should be asking to play 65, 70% of your defensive snaps like you would do with, with Christian Wilkins and what I'd ideally like to see him do is Zach Sealer. So ergo, quality depth, you don't pay your quality depth. It's not a franchise roster building block in my opinion. John Jenkins, contract year, ideally you get somebody a little younger uh, to play behind him. But I do appreciate the fact this is one of the few rooms on this entire roster that's got a a longtime vet in it. And I think that was originally the viewpoint. And the objective for John Jenkins was to be the vet. Uh, The Raekwon Davis injury kind of thrust him into a bigger role. Obviously, if he's playing 43% of the snaps through week five. Would be surprised if he's brought back. If he is, he'd be fairly cheap but I do think he's a replacement level player. Jabral Sheard at this point, just based off what he looked like against Tampa Bay, probably not somebody that you're going to find on a lot of NFL rosters across the league. He's had a tremendous run. Really appreciate the, he's had a pretty underrated career, but he's also 32. He didn't latch on an active roster. He's on the Dolphins practice squad as a 32-year-old. He looks a little bit slower than what he used to. Don't expect to see him back in 2022, nor should we. And then Benito Jones, who's a little stocky. He's he's not as tall or long as some of the other nose tackles, uh, but a UDFA from 2020. uh, Have him tagged with size and athleticism, red flags. He's going to be a restricted free agent, 23 years old. Don't think he's particularly scheme diverse. Don't think he's particularly front diverse. He's a nose tackle. So he's not going to be a long-term building block for you either. But that in summary for the defensive line, Will Concealer Davis. And if you extend Agba, in my opinion, are roster building blocks for you. And if you build that out and you complement that with what you have, in my opinion, with Jalen Phillips, you get a pretty exciting group to watch and continue to foster and grow and I think one of the big questions uh, that I think is, is fascinating, I think it's why it's so important that a lot of these guys are versatile, is if you give them instances to simply attack a gap instead of playing gap control, which is what the Patriot system is that we're seeing Brian Flores implement down here in Miami, I still think these guys are successful NFL players and you might see more splash plays, which I know is a big question for a lot of dolphins fans about these players is where are the booming splash plays that are going to change the course of the game? I mean, that, that's not really, they're, they're more control the line of scrimmage, knock these guys, get back, get good, knock back, read and key the block and then get off and make the play at the line of scrimmage. We're going to force them into third and long, and then we're going to heat them up with a lot of exotic rush looks. Your hybrid linebackers, your outside linebackers, Andrew Van Ginkle, Jalen Phillips, Brennan Scarlett, and Shakeem Griffin, who's on the practice squad. Van Ginkle, we all had high hopes for him in 2020 when he very clearly made a big jump from the year prior, uh, when he was late onto the scene, dealt with an injury early in 2019 when he was a, a late or a day three selection. But I haven't really been inspired by what we've seen from Andrew Van Ginkle at this point, if you wanted to argue with me that he's still an incomplete evaluation, I would see your perspective. I wouldn't fight you too hard on. But in my opinion, Andrew Van Ginkle is probably somebody that ideally is a quality depth player for you. Who's playing about 40 to 50% of your snaps. And he's not far off of that right now. He's playing 57% of the snaps thus far this season. He's under contract to 2023. He's owed an outstanding guaranteed dollar amount of $77,500. He's 26 years old. You watch him play, and you watch how they've asked him to play this year, and some of the zone coverage drops, just don't see a really good feel for working in space, uh, which makes him ideally perhaps a little bit more of a backside will kind of chase stuff down if if you're not going to have that feel for working in zone coverage and and he was the guy who got tagged on uh the uh, the, the touchdown in week one against new england in which he, he kind of overran his landmark and then there's other times where he's dropping to grass and he's not really covering anybody regardless of where the route flow is and he's still a work in progress i think he's got a little bit of a higher ceiling to get into an adequate starter role uh, but at least in this kind of defense like I'd ideally like guys that got a little bit more mass to play. You know, Van Ginkle's somewhere around 245 or something like that. I think that's what makes Jalen Phillips such an attractive piece as, as a hybrid tight player, whether he's going to release from a two-point stance or three-point stance he's 260, 265. That's a big dude. And just Andrew, I know sometimes, you know, when he's walked up on the line of scrimmage, if you put him to the, the, the run strength and he's got to deal with tight ends or extra traffic He's not really a big, long guy to really process and handle that particularly well. So I have Andrew Van Giggle down as quality depth. He's the second player in the defensive front thus far I have this categorization with alongside Adam Butler. Like Adam Butler, he's under contract to 2023, 26 years old. I can see Andrew Van Giggle, and I've made this point when we did the offensive side of the ball. I want to make sure I drive that point home here too. Just because I don't view you as a long-term building block doesn't mean I don't think you can be here long-term and be a valuable piece of the team. But I'm not building my edge rush group. I'm not building my linebacker group that's going to play the chess pieces around Andrew Van Ginkle. I think he could be a complimentary player. I think he's the perfect kind of player to be the third one in and consistently rush in. And if you need some more speed to rush the passer, you call his name, you, you, you run him out there. Jalen Phillips, on the other hand, who's classified as a rookie and rightfully so, and is come kind of alive over the course of the last two or three weeks. And I'm old enough to remember when we were all talking on social media, like he was a bust after the first two weeks of the season. But ultimately, at the end of the day, He needs to be playing forward. He needs to be in attack mode. He needs to be an aggressor. He needs to rush the passer. That's what he was brought here to do. And you're starting to see more and more of that over the last three weeks. You're starting to see him get involved where he's lined up over top of the center in some of the speed packages, or he's lined up next to Emmanuel Agba where Agba's lined up on the tackle and he's lined up in a three tech over the guard and putting those two guys next to each other, which they did against Tampa Bay and running some twist or stunt and uh, he had a good inside pressure in which he he was the outside man running a twist and went first. I think that's a me stunt. I think it. I think terminology. There's a me stunt where he comes through first and he ends up crashing through the uh, the B gap. And it was, I believe, the first possession for Tampa after the half in which they forced the throw from Tom Brady that uh, resulted in one of the few punts for Tampa Bay. Jalen Phillips. He's been heating up. He's active. He's a first-round pick this year, so he's under contract through twenty twenty-six. He's twenty-two years old. He's an incredible athlete. He's up to forty-seven and a half percent of the snaps played thus far through week five. There's no question. This is a long-term building block, and you see you see the athleticism that he oozes with. And just know, as he starts to continue to process the game a little quicker, as those counters and, and deconstruction of blocks comes a half second earlier, the sacks are going to come. Like The pressures are starting to come. The sacks are going to come. And if you are looking to upgrade your pantry, you can visit BuiltBar.com and they too will come to your house. Built Bar is a protein bar. Tastes like candy bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar, 100% chocolate on all their bars. They are chef's kiss to die for. And right now, you can visit BillBar.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order. That's Billbar.com. Promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. Brennan Scarlett, 28 years old, one-year contract. Contract's up at the end of the year. I do have him tab with an athleticism question mark. Um. I think he's probably, I'm, I'm surprised he's gotten the run that he has. He's close to 30% of the snaps thus far this season. If you wanted to bring him back as a depth player, you're probably talking one, one and a quarter million dollars. I think he's a replacement level player. I think he's probably somebody you can find to fill that role fa- fairly one-for-one one exchange and continue to keep that cost for that rotational role uh, fairly lean. Obviously not a building block in my eyes. He's 28 and under contract only for this season. Shaquem Griffin, uh, he's b- he's now bounced around a little bit, uh, started his career in Seattle, primarily a special teams guy. He runs fast, uh, but he's not a big guy either. And He's a big personality, which is, is what makes it so tough because you absolutely love the energy that he brings to the football field. I think he's a perfect kind of practice squad kind of guy. And if they continue to extend your uh, practice squad rules to have a couple of guys that you don't have tenure restrictions on, would love to continue to see him be a part of the locker room and he's, he's so infectious with his energy. But as a primary special teams guy and undersized uh, for kind of that hybrid on the line of scrimmage type player, he's certainly not somebody that I would classify as a long-term building block. Which brings us to our stack linebackers are guys who work off the ball and, and Jerome Baker is a little bit of a unique case in that he's a little bit everywhere but you've got Jerome Baker, Elandon and Roberts, Sam McGuavin, Duke Riley, Milo Eifler and Calvin Munson in the stack linebacker group. The last group we're going to focus on today here on the show. Jerome, I know everybody's super down on Jerome because he did not play well against Tampa Bay. And, and I would generally agree with those of you who said he doesn't quite look as dynamic as he's, he looked in 2020. This year, I know he said that working on his run defense was going to be a big personal point of emphasis for him to become a more complete linebacker. I don't know what that entailed for him. I don't know if that involved adding weight or not. Obviously, he had a couple of really ugly reps in which he's, walking up to the defensive right, and Leonard Fournette goes in motion, and he kind of does the triple take before he realizes, oh, shoot, yeah, that's my guy because everybody's pointing. And I got to go chase him down, and Tom completes a a really easy pass in the flat to Fournette. Baker's late arriving because he wasn't ready for for the motion, and he breaks the block down and, and has success otherwise. But I get it. It's popular right now, and he's public enemy number one on defense because he had a couple really visible, ugly plays. Miami asked Jerome Baker to do a lot. I think you can make a case that they might ask him to do too much. Uh, He is a jack-of-all-trades. I would love to see him not be put in so many different roles, Um, but that's the price you pay when you sign the contract that Jerome Baker signed. And you're the guy who wears the green dot on your helmet defensively, and you're one of the uh, the lead by example guys on the defensive side of the ball. I have Jerome Baker down as a quality starter. I think, especially you account for his value as a blitzer. I think I saw it was from Ryan Smith, uh, who does Dolphin stuff for Pro Football Focus. I think I saw Jerome Baker has the highest success rate as a pass rusher of any stack linebacker in the NFL this year, and you watch him get after some of these backs and pass pro and you go back and you watch all the production that he had last year, he's a weapon in that regard. There's no question. There's also no question. He did not play a particularly good game. Uh, and I don't think he's playing to the standard that he set for himself in 2020, but they just signed him to a contract extension. He's due nearly $16 million in outstanding guaranteed money starting in 2022. He's 24 years old right now. He is diverse. He's on the field almost the entire time, 97% of the snaps. I've got Jerome Baker down as a long-term building block on the defense. Here's the problem. Elandon Roberts I have as a replacement-level player with questions about his athleticism. Sam McGuavin, quality-depth roster player, really good in, in the Dolphins blitz packages now, and his experience as a player has led him to be playing on the line of scrimmage as an outside linebacker and also as a stack linebacker. He's not very good in coverage. He's not particularly big. So that recipe is uh, going to limit what his role looks like long-term, big picture. Duke Riley, in my opinion, is just a, he's a speed linebacker who plays teams, replacement-level player. And then you've got Milo Eifler and Calvin Munson, who are practice squad guys. Goes without saying, Those guys, in my opinion, are not long-term building blocks. Here's the interesting thing about the linebacker group, the stack linebacker group, starting with Baker and going through Munson. Baker's the only one under contract beyond this year. Roberts, unrestricted free agent. Duke Riley, unrestricted free agent. Sam McGuavin, restricted free agent. Milo Weifer, restricted free agent. Calvin Munson, restricted free agent. And you got a couple of guys here who are, they're not old. They're not young. Long-term assets either. Elena Roberts is 27, Agüavín's 28, Riley's 27. Agüavín's the only one I think has any level of versatility. Roberts has been rough, man. Some missed tackles, uh, trying to scrape over top, uh, work over top of linebackers when the run goes away and. Uh, is not sure if he's going to get over top of the offensive lineman. So he hesitates and then he's late when Fournette turns up into the alley and he's grabbing at his. He's, he's late getting on the body and falling off the tackle. I've already mentioned this week he's third in the NFL and missed tackles thus far through five weeks. I don't know whether or not Bernard McKinney would have fixed any of this. But I also, and it doesn't help the case for Bernard McKinney that he's still not on a team. That's pretty surprising to me. Um, and I understand Elena Roberts had the sweat equity with the organization, and that was probably a lot of the thought process and that, that McKinney was the insurance policy. I don't know that McKinney fixes the issue that, that uh, Elena Roberts has had thus far this season as far as consistency being in the position to make tackle and finish plays. But he doesn't bring a lot of value in, in pass defense. Uh, he did have one nice one where he ended up getting attached on Fournette up a wheel up the left sideline. Uh, he obviously had to pick six against the Raiders on a ball that Derek Carr threw to somebody who the receiver stopped and he expected the receiver to keep going. And then it kind of just ended up going right to Landon Roberts and he ran it back. Um, but I think you can find that thump type player anywhere as evidenced by the fact that Bernard McKinney still not on a team anywhere else. Obviously, With all these guys not being under contract, they're not qualifying in this exercise to be long-term building blocks. And that leaves us in the front seven with Wilkins, Sealer, Davis, Phillips, Baker as definitive long-term building blocks that I have a good amount of confidence in. You're going to get a fair amount of positional and scheme diverse uh, production that if you need to, if you are going to change your scheme, you're going to change how you approach defensive football, those guys are going to translate. And then Emmanuel Agba, if this franchise chooses to offer the contract extension at what I'm anticipating is between 15 and $17 million, he would also classify as well, which could potentially give you six, five to six in the front seven. You need more on the second level of the defense. You need more options who can cover. We need one of these unicorn-type linebackers, to be quite frank, especially if we're going to stay the course with this regime and we're going to ask them to continue uh, moving forward in 2022 and beyond. You need more linebackers that can coverage because we just continue to get gouged over the middle of the field. It was a problem last year. It's a problem so far this year. And the guys that you've got, are either way too far into we're small in speed or they're way too far into we're downhill thumpers. We need a unicorn-type player in that role to really make and allow this defense to shine and allow Jerome Baker to shine by letting him play some of the reps that Sam McGuavin is being regulated with uh, because Baker is the best option that you have to do anything on the second level. I think getting a, think about guys like Zavin Collins and Isaiah Simmons and those types of players, putting one of those in that spot for Elaine and Robertson, in my opinion, is going to make you much more consistent in holding up in coverage, but not having to play the musical chairs of, oh, well, we're going to put Robertson and then they're going to pass the ball and we got a mismatch. And then we take him out and we put a Guavin in. And they're still going to pass the ball because Aglavin's pass coverage isn't particularly great, but now they can also run at us because he's not as big and physical. And that's such a headache when you start rotating personnel here. So, finding those handful of complementary pieces to work around a pretty defined front seven infrastructure that I feel good about the talent level of a lot. Now, there's a whole different story to be had about some alignments. Tampa comes out with two tight ends in line on on the left side of the formation. One of them is an extra offensive tackle, so you got six offensive linemen and you're in a base 4-3 look and you don't shift the the linemen over. So you got three defenders over top of four blockers to the left of the center, so you're minus one to the left of the center and they got an extra offensive lineman over there and there's no adjustment that's made to kind of get your gap integrity right. Never mind the fact that you're playing two side safety looks versus that anyway. So you're inviting the run and maybe that's by design, but you're out gapped. And if you're leaving a guy lined up in a four eye on the inside shade of the tackle, and he's got another offensive tackle outside of him and he's the only guy in that bubble, guess what they're going to do. They're going to run the ball right at that bubble. And that's what they did. And it was a big game. So, I mean, there's, There's a lot defensively that it's frustrating to me. It's super frustrating to me because I watch, and there's very clearly physical talent to work with. And this is the side of the football that Brian Flores has been groomed in over the, the, the majority of his time in New England. And it was the side of the football that was Miami's identity last year. And through the first five weeks, a lot of correctable errors. They talked about being aligned. They talked about getting in their fits and executing their assignments. Still a work in progress, which is not, I think, what anybody expected. But the good news is when you take the evaluation and the inventory of the talent on the roster, talent exists on the defensive side of the ball. And that's great news for Miami to hopefully write the ship. And if they don't write the ship, you can kind of regroup and you don't have to completely turn this thing upside down, which is something that a lot of regimes that have Belichickian disciples, when they're out the door, take a look at Detroit and the mass exodus of high investments that went on the defensive side of the ball to try to cater to Matt Patricia. You're not going to see that. You wouldn't have to see that mass exodus if that were to be the fate for the Dolphins. But they also have another 12 games to try and write the ship here, which a lot of fans on social media are trying to remind me, Kyle, 12 games. I get it. Evaluation mode. I don't think there's too many players that are incomplete evaluations. Maybe Andrew Van Ginkle in the front seven, and we're going to be back on Saturday morning, so plan accordingly to do the secondary, which there's a lot of dollars invested there, a lot of long-term commitments invested there. So that'll be a great conversation. We, of course, have Power to the Pod this evening as well. Live on the YouTube stream. It'll go up on the podcast feed as soon as it's done. So make sure you plan accordingly. Kyle Krabs, keep it locked in. Right here on Locked on Dolphins. Thanks, as always, for checking out the show. Hope you guys enjoyed. Hope to talk to you guys again tonight.